I'm definitely not Ryan McDonough, a Suns fan since 2004, and you're listening to the Suns Solar Panel Podcast. All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we're, we're glad to have you back. I, I'm excited to see who, uh, who all is going to join us in the chat because we like to stay interactive in the chat. Tons of great storylines this week. The first thing we're going to do is catch you up to speed because not everybody knows everything that's going on with the Suns. But you know what? If you're listening to this podcast or watching it right now, you probably do. But I'm just going to say it anyway. Um, the Suns had their first scrimmage the other day. They um, actually looked extremely focused, played very well, and uh, they had most of the team. Now, um, they didn't have any more of the team than we thought they might, but um, they still had most of the guys going. Ricky Rubio is in Orlando. He had had COVID-19 and is is just now recovering. He still um, is trying to get his wind back. He hasn't played any kind of basketball in weeks and he hasn't played organized basketball with the need for conditioning in four months like the rest of these guys. But he hasn't even had the training camp to get back into shape. So Ricky's going to ease back in, probably not play much of the scrimmages at all. Um, starting at point guard for him was Ty Jerome, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and that is just an abject disaster. Um, Aaron Baines is still out with COVID-19. He, uh, he says he's mostly recovered he's feeling pretty good he actually had his first full conditioning workout the other day at home still in his isolation because he's staying in isolation until he gets two consecutive negative tests on his let's be clear he said from covid he said that his workout was running up and down the block while his kids watched him so i don't think yeah yeah i don't think this is a full nba conditioning workout here he's doing his best but but (laughs) that's what's funny about it so what he said is that that was the first time I've, I've actually broken a sweat and done anything really active in a month because of how strong COVID hit him. So he's barely, he's barely getting back. He's still getting positive tests on the, on, the, on the daily tests that he's getting. He can't come to Orlando until he's gotten two straight negative tests. So those guys we can't really expect a ton of right away. And Baines we may not be able to expect a ton of uh, for a while. Or anything. I mean, the he said that there were four consecutive days when he never saw back-to-back hours. He was so not. Yeah. He slept for basically four straight days when he initially got COVID. I'm not sure how long it's going to take him, even when he gets to Orlando, to actually be in basketball shape. Because it sounds like well, he took. The good thing he took though is hard. he's back to his little his short minutes though. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. He doesn't have to carry. Uh, the heavy load, thanks to Aiton being there and uh, and Kaminsky being healthy uh, and in Orlando. So, but still, I I don't know how long it's going to take him to feel good enough to play some major minutes uh, when it when it comes to uh, even backup minutes when it comes to helping the Suns out in Orlando. And it's crazy. He said he got it. He isolated. Then his whole family got it uh, a week or two later so he's been dealing with a lot and it explains why you know we were yeah. we were wondering why we didn't see him why we didn't see ricky that was a lot of what we talked about last week well now we know it's because they had covid and that was you know we we suspected it was uh it was likely that or that they wanted to spend more time with their family and now we have our answer 
Well, and they weren't just asymptomatic waiting for positive tests or negative tests. Sorry. They were actually really sick. Now, yeah. you can say that they're, you know, in relative basketball terms, they're in the risky age group <laughs> because they're 29 plus. <laughs> but that's not supposed to be risky for actual COVID. Uh, so maybe it's maybe it's indiscriminate on the actual age groups in a demographic or demo. Yeah, a demo. And it's just taking all the older NBA players. I don't know. But, man, those guys, they, they and Ricky still sounds sick. And eight, um, Aaron Bain still sounds sick when you when you actually hear them talking. So um, what's what's a little bit different and weird, still weird, is that young guys like Elia Kobo and Jalen LeCue are still out. And there's not a timetable for their return. Otherwise, that they're expected there in Orlando. But they're just out for personal reasons. Now, it, I don't think it's because they're COVID positive because the Suns have been completely tight-lipped about those yeah. uh, those situations until recently. And they actually admitted two of them. Why would you not admit all four? So I really think what's happening is is um, that Akobo was – was told that he's kind of out of their plans. He is a free agent at the end of the year. LeCue was probably told that he's just not going to get any minutes in Orlando, which means the Suns are taking things seriously. If the Suns start out 0-3, you might see LeCue on a plane to, <laughs> to Orlando. Uh, uh, Dave, <laughs> can you clarify a little bit more your Kobo statement? Elliot Kobo? Sure. Yeah, do, do, you have, um, do you have any, any ba- anything to back it up, or is this no, no, just guessing? No, no, no. I got nothing to back it up. Okay. Nothing Great. at all to back it up. Okay. I didn't I didn't mean that rudely. I just wanted to make sure you weren't. There's a difference between no, opinion and understand. reporting. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Thank I, you for correcting me. I don't want to. I don't want to put anything out there that's not uh, sourced or backed up. No. Well, it's I, just weird that a 21 year old, when Ricky is definitely not even there didn't go to Orlando. I have, I have two theories on this front. I think uh, Akobo maybe went back to France and is having difficulty with travel, potentially, mm. just a, just a guess uh, again. And then I think Jalen LeCue is at his eighth-grade graduation and is going to join <laughs> after that. Those are my guesses. Oh, you so. know, it's quite possible that they're just with family who's sick or taking yeah. care of family who's sick, absolutely. Or like you said, that's that's a very good, valid point is that he may just be having trouble getting back out of france yeah Yeah, uh, well we did get to see a lot of tied to rome q is a Uh, french name but i don't think he's french uh really great to see ty jerome um out there with the starters getting so many minutes we're we're definitely gonna break down his game we've changed the the definition of great again huh tim yeah yeah uh to that, anybody watching on YouTube right now, if you have not subscribed to the channel yet, please do so. Also, hit that like button. It really, that thumbs up button, I should say, it really does help us out with those YouTube uh, YouTube. Thumbs up! Um, also wanted to give a shout out to some people that are watching live right now. Perplex Damage, Justin, uh, Kirito Andrew, dang, uh, if I got that right, I probably didn't. And uh, Buckdog, of course, thank you all so very much. Uh, so we're going to go over the box scores a little bit. We're going to give our takeaways on some of the individual players as well as the playing styles. Um, obviously, uh, you had Devin Booker, who was the, the, the standout player of the game um, in terms of the one that was getting the most attention. Uh, Mikhail Bridges uh, led the team 14 points. Uh, 
back by uh, Dario Scharch with 12 points. Yandre Ayton had 13. Devin Booker again 13. Uh, Ty Jerome. Obviously, we're going to go over a number of other players as well. One thing I did want to talk about was Monty Williams prior uh, to the starting back up had really been talking about transition defense a bit. And he was saying that essentially the Suns weren't going to be worrying as much about transition defense as they were uh, about crashing the boards. Having watched that game twice, I didn't see that. And I, I want to get your guys' take on, on uh, perhaps if I'm missing something or were the Suns just not executing or what was the, what was the deal with that? Oh, look, do you always, I mean, I'm, I'm counting this as kind of, or that as kind of, training camp talk that and we always hear these kind of things oh the team's going to be more highly focused on defense we're going to do and then when you get on the court it just doesn't play out that way and I think that's one this is one of those cases is you can talk about oh this is what we're going to do strategically but when these guys get out there a lot of times instinct takes over and they just play the way uh, that they usually play and and I think that's the case in game one I'm sure Monty will go back if that's truly a point that he wants to make and stress with this group that he'll go back and he'll push that. And we may see some uh, a little bit more in scrimmage number two uh, and three and then into into these regular bubble games. I don't know what we're calling them, uh, but I, I think maybe that'll be the case. Yes, seating, whatever. Yeah, sure, I, that's the official name. Even that doesn't make a lot of sense. But uh, The germinating games. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I, I, did, I did notice it with, with Cam Johnson a bit. I thought he had a really good rebounding game um yeah. you know he wasn't really getting back on transition d but honestly i can't remember one time i really ever saw him get back on transition d so i don't know how much of a change it is that's not even an insult he just doesn't tend to be the first player running back on transition defense right like that's simply not him so far in his uh, very short nba career but he did have a really nice rebounding game yeah that's fair yeah i i the way i don't know i'm not a uh, i don't break down every single play so I'm not that kind of that kind of analyst or any kind of analyst, actually. But I definitely don't break down every every single play. I don't think the intention was that the Suns would have five guys dive to the basket to rebound every play. Um, I what I uh, what I think the intention is that they wouldn't have four guys going back on transition defense with only Aiden going for the defensive rebound. Um, but then again, I always remember Kelly Oubre crashing in there with with one of the big men going for rebounds and this time it was cam johnson so you're right tim there may not have been any change in how they actually execute the um uh after shot defense basically are you going for the rebound or are you going for the transition defense we may not have seen it in that first scrimmage um i thought the first scrimmage was excellent though in terms of the the team actually looking extremely focused they were definitely ready to play, whereas the Jazz were not so much ready to play. Although the Suns had blown out the Jazz by 20 points in regular season two weeks before the shutdown. So it also could be that the Suns are one of those teams that has the Jazz number. I don't know. But I think it's more likely the Jazz came out ready for a scrimmage and the Suns came out ready to prove something. Hey, Either way, I loved it. I thought it was fun to watch. Hey, look, it's just more proof that Devin Booker's better than Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, that's for you, oh, yeah. Utah Jazz fans. Enjoy. Yeah, well, it was funny. Uh, I actually had this thought in my head that it was Booker who was scoring to put the Suns up, 
and then it was Mitchell scoring to keep the, his team in into a 10 to 20 point range <laughs> of deficit, which seems like that's what Booker's been dealing with his whole career is that that latter part. Yeah. So I like that. It, it was just uh, it, Booker it was, was was tough in that game, man. He was so good in that game. Yeah, I mean, that's he Devin Booker came back and there was no rust. Devin Booker is locked in. This is this is what yeah. we hoped for is that we were getting uh, fully motivated, fully engaged, ready to go Devin Booker, and that's what they have. And that could mean some interesting things for the eight opponents on the schedule. Now, he's going to have to get help, but we saw DeAndre Ayton actually look like uh, he came back playing uh, the the way he was playing and added a few wrinkles into the game as well. I know we'll talk about that, but it, the first game, and I don't want to overreact because it's a glorified preseason, but that's you you couldn't have been more encouraged from the first scrimmage than we came out of that jazz game feeling and it outside of just feeling good to see sun's basketball again even as bizarre as some of the elements of this are uh it it just the results the way they played the way the way mikhail bridges looks like he may have actually taken another step uh in uh, in this kind of off season not off season where he he looks great cam johnson uh, was hitting shots i mean even campaign came out and uh and looked pretty oh. good in in his first uh first i call them the cam team. one and cam two because i, I don't <laughs> like having to say full last names and all that so cam one's the first one cam johnson cam two is the second one campaign. And so when in the intro there, Tim paused on me putting cam two in the intro, <laughs> that's, that's campaign. So cam I, one and cam two. I just like saying campaign since we're going to be saying that a lot and for <laughs> other reasons between now and November, it's just fun to say it uh, in a son's context. So yeah, but overall everything looked good. Now two more, or, you know, there's additional scrimmages left. Then we get into these seeding games, but I could not have come out of game one feeling better about this team and their opportunity than I did after this jazz game. Yeah, we got a couple of comments in, in the well in the comments section. We got a couple of notes that um, Devin Booker did have a couple of turnovers. It's it's interesting. He is one of the most aggressive passing guys in the league. I don't exactly remember his turnovers, but I think they're always almost always on passes. He never gets his pocket picked. Almost never gets his pocket picked. Um, so. And then uh, there was a couple of campaign looked very active. We will talk about campaign at some point if you guys want to. Uh, he definitely looks like the guy who should be the backup to Ricky Rubio, in my opinion, just based on one game. So um, and there's a couple of other comments. Let's see. Can we count this as making the playoffs? Hey, I wish. Um, no, no, you really cannot. Nice if- <laughs> so let's go. Let's go through the players individually, starting with DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Dave, your initial thoughts on DeAndre? This game. Uh, my initial thought is DeAndre Ayton looked damn good. Uh, in fact, what I what I tend to do now, what I'm focusing on now, is watching him on defense. Um, I know the offense is coming, and I know we can talk about that three in a little bit. But uh, man, DeAndre Ayton on defense, he stifled multiple Jazz players on single possessions a lot in that first half, like just switching, switching, switching. And I tell you what, man, people have been talking about bigs being able to switch as the key to today's NBA. Holy crap. DeAndre Ayton has the size and the quickness to be able to switch onto a little guard and then a big center and stifle 
both ends. I mean, both of those guys. So I just love watching that dude on defense. He rebounds, of course, like he's just a natural rebounder. He's one of the best offensive rebounders in the game. Um, he's extremely good on defensive rebounding as well. Really good on just natural foot move and on defense and switching offensively. Um, I thought he looked really good too. He just, you know, uh, a couple people pointed out that he didn't draw any fouls. Well, the Suns weren't really putting him in a position to draw fouls in this game. They were just, the Suns got anything they wanted offensively. They had 101 points in only 40 minutes of play because it was 10-minute quarters. Now, the rest of the scrimmages are full 48 minutes, so um, the translation isn't going to be necessary. But 101 points in 40 minutes of play, that's a really good offense. Yeah. Greg. Aiton Aiton looked great in Dave, to your point, defensively, he was stepping in passing lanes, too. I mean, he was active. That's extremely encouraging because that was the knock after year one. And in the 30-plus games that we saw him in the regular season, he had shown a propensity to play better defense. And I'm glad to see he brought that to Orlando with him. One thing that caught me, and we, are, we know DeAndre is a pretty good passer, but there was a, a point in transition where he wound up with the ball and he had to take a couple of dribbles and made a made a great pass that led to a fast break basket. I mean, there's it's the little things that DeAndre did very well in that game. And yes, again, we will talk about uh, that shot that he hit. But uh, overall, I was very impressed with Aiton, and I'm feeling good about what he'll bring. So you know that that's encouraging that he came out and he looked very much like uh, like the guy that was uh, was playing well and locked in and was a double double machine earlier this year. Um, I so I did think that he the last time he played Rudy Gobert. I think it was the last time. I could be wrong, um, but I do think that in the past we've seen Rudy Gobert outplay DeAndre Ayton, and I did not think that that was the uh, case in this game right here uh as far as the, the the pick and roll defense i thought that he kind of played the middle a lot um you know to dave's point he's really great when he actually does end up switching and and getting out on the perimeter with the guard and that's really great to see uh when he's guarding the pick and roll though he tends to play that middle uh where he's not really committing to to either guy the the uh ball handler or the player that's that's rolling there and i think that that's something that he could work on a little bit i also have noticed that, that could it, be scheme though it, it could uh, be you scheme, mentioned which, it which, could which, be scheme actually portland um if i recall correctly and i i might be wrong but portland has gotten themselves into top 10 defenses several times in the last few years uh by doing that big man dropping on every pick and roll because they'd rather give up um, a mid-range, have their guard stay out on anybody behind the three-point line, and then guard the paint um, and let the mid-ranges fly. And I think, I mean, that's if that's if that's the Suns' scheme, it's it's because they're trying to play the odds. Uh, uh, very possible. And I do want to ask you a follow-up question on the scheme because I've noticed that on 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 pick and roll defense, uh, when DeAndre Ayton is involved, uh, that he never hedges those screens at all um and i just want to see if you guys think that that's a monty thing what the deal is because i don't think i've uh, in that game specifically i didn't see him hedge one screen we'll have to keep an eye on it uh that's for sure i i don't know i think uh, again i think it's it's got to be scheme based because on so many possessions deandre did deandre did switch defensively i think you're talking about pick and roll and sp- specifically and that's got to be scheme if he doesn't if he does one if he does never does any 
thing that you're looking for, then it's got to be skiing. And I've I've thought about it too. So you know, obviously the 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 reason for that is if you have the 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 screener draw back really quick that that you know if they're hedging essentially trapping right there at the screen that that's going to open up the the roll man. So you know whoever is the the uh, third defender would have to come and help in that situation. Which if they have a, a good passing big man, that's likely going to leave somebody open in the corner. Um, so I understand not doing it, but I also wonder if that's part of Monty just not wanting to overcomplicate the defense. Um, he did. Monty did talk about his ability to actually put in the second layer, second level of schemes, offensive and defensively in this training camp with these guys. And Aiden's been there the entire time because he says nothing like October. Monty said recently, he's like October was just putting in our base packages and getting, letting, helping people get to know each other. Uh, that first training camp of the 2019, 20 season, this training camp, he was actually put in his put, be able to put in m- many more wrinkles, both offensively and defensively. So the suns should be crisper if they're taught well on these, on these schemes. So I don't know if it's, Sometimes you just want to keep your defense simple so that everybody can get it intuitively and make split second decisions in the in the moment. Uh, but I don't think it's because of a lack of trust in his players that he's making it simpler. And I think that's that's the uh, what people take away whenever you say simplifying the defensive scheme. Greg, any thoughts? Uh, I would be happy if they, uh, regardless of what the scheme is, if they come out and play out of this training camp like they did out of the original training camp because that means they'll actually have a chance to to make some noise here in Orlando because they ran the table uh, not, not ran the table but they they played immensely well and that was when we all got very excited about the potential of this team and it was without DeAndre Ayton so to Dave's point with some time to prepare here and with Monty actually being able to install uh, actual elements that he wants rather than basic things like they did in October. Hopefully that'll translate to an even better start out of the gates this time around because that this team it is they didn't have the opportunity to learn these things and and soak these in early in the season. It's to Dave's point they were kind of getting to know Monty, getting to know the way he coaches, and now. That's the benefit of this. They actually had the opportunity to uh, reset while they're still playing meaningful games here, and it should be uh, mean crisper uh, play when they come out of this, hopefully. Um, Dario. So I think that what we saw out of Dario was was incredibly encouraging, especially at specific points of the game. I thought that he looked really great when when he was essentially the primary ball handler in a lot of those um, second units. But I really loved the 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 bully ball style that we saw from Dario, even if he's not the most effective player in the post. I really like that. And I thought the, rumbling, the passing bumbling, game, stumbling. <laughs> yeah, the passing game between him and Kaminsky on the court together looks really good as well. Yeah, no, I think Dario is uh, exactly the way you just described it, Tim. Uh, Dario is not a great fit with an athletic line that's got to do switching and, and on defense and then on offense. They're cutting to the basket constantly when they're off ball. I, you're right, I don't think he fits the Suns' offense, and there's a couple comments in the chat as well uh, regarding that. However, as you said, he looked really good as a uh, one of the few primary options on offense in the early fourth quarter, at least, and, and late third, um, when when he's got when he's the guy who can make the decision with the ball, 
and has that kind of possession, then then he can be really effective, uh, either driving into the defender on his way to the basket and drawing a foul or passing out to another player at, at the right time. The problem is that uh, when you've got Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio, guys like that out on the floor already, you don't need Dario doing his passing, so he becomes less effective offensively. But in the second unit, playing with the second unit, whether he starts a game or not, you know, being called out, he, he still may end up playing most of his minutes with a second unit that needs a playmaker. And Dario can be that second unit playmaker. Yeah, and I think he fits fits that mold pretty well. And then one thing you guys didn't mention is he came back in fantastic shape compared to what we've seen him. He's been doughy a lot to be to be nice. I'm somebody that knows that body type very well. And uh, and he, as you as you wiggle, in yeah, your chair, look, look, I know I know that body type well. Uh, for the podcast listeners, you just missed something very spectacular. Go back and watch on YouTube. But, uh, yeah, Dario has, has tended to be a little doughy, and he came back in, in much better shape. So that should uh, that, that should help as well just uh, with that conditioning. So uh, that's exciting. But, yeah, I think, I, I think his if he has any future here, which is still debatable, it is as a second-unit guy. It is as a guy that can provide that ball handling on the second unit. But, we've we've always talked about Dario does the little things this is this is a guy that you know there's nothing sexy about uh, well let's be frank about him or or his game uh when you have hair like that it, it, sexy isn't the word that you ever use to describe somebody but instagram handle is megalodon <laughs> <laughs> you know like so and i think that might be twitter handle too and so i That's I, awesome. I feel like he he comes out and uh, can add the little things but is is better with that second unit. He's not going to be the long-term answer at power forward as a starter, but he could be a great piece at the right price off the bench. Um, so first off, I do want to thank a new supporter of the show, the Kelly Oubre level supporter, Blaze Megatron. Thank you guys so, so, so very much. And everybody that does support the show here on YouTube or on the podcast version, um, myself, Greg, Dave, we all really, really, really do appreciate you guys. Um, I think Dario has looked doughy, uh, if that was your quote, Greg. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> he has. Greatest greatest quote of all time. Don't you ever talk smack about his stash, though. I, I don't care what anyone says. That That is a an amazing stash. I didn't say his hey, look, stash me, was uh, trash. Me, I said his say haircut a couple of things about. Yeah, he's, he definitely has a great stash. He's got uh, he's got great hair. If you're if you're looking for that alfalfa look, um, I really think that Dario is I, I, I he's being different than I've seen before. And Monty Williams also said it. He said he's never heard Dario speaking so much, talking up so much, be showing much uh, so much outward um, uh, leadership and aggression. He was very quiet most of this year. And then, uh, you know, because he's naturally quiet, I think. And then um, this training camp, Monty said he's been in incredible shape and he's been talking a lot with the guys on the court, off the court, all that. Um, Dario himself has been interviewed a couple of times on our zoom chats and, um, he said he's not, let me, let's just, let me just say this. I know not everybody loves Dario, but he said he wants to be back with the Suns next year. He really likes it here. He wants to, uh, stay long-term, not just for these bubble games. He says he's not even thinking about free agency. He doesn't want to think about free agency. He wants to be a part of this. And this is the Dario 
that moved out basically out of the rotation when the team was healthy. And I think it was January, February range where he, he was started getting into the single digits or, or low teens on minutes per game. And then only came back into the rotation when Kelly Oubre got hurt, I believe, because they started doing that uh, Oubre Bridges front court for a while with Baines and Aiden when all of them were around rotating as the bigs. And um, the same trio who lost his rotation spot midseason and back only because of injuries now knows he's not going to have a big rotation spot once the real games start because of all the healthy bodies. And now with Aaron Baines out, maybe he'll get more spot, uh, more time. The dude with that knowledge came back and said he still wants to be with the Suns. He still wants to make this work out, and I think that's good. And I think the the hiatus and the truncated quote unquote off season that we're going to have free agency period actually makes it more likely that he he may stay because guys I think are going to take one year potentially take one year deals in places they're familiar with, then try to rush a decision on their long term future in the league in an off season where the cap is likely going to be less. Uh, you're going to have less time to make that decision. I think you could see a very team friendly deal for Dario to come back and be part of that second unit because that, that time frame to make a decision in free agency is so much less. So if the Suns want him back and Dario has interest, I think we see probably a team friendly one year deal that winds up with him back here. I mean, he's what, like a $5 million player? What's his contract at this year? I think he's three-something this year. Right. Yeah, I, he's just three and a half to five. Like, yeah. you know, if you can get him back at, at three and a half to five, uh, that's uh, well worth That's it. a good price for him. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a, as a rotational backup, I think that is a good price. Yeah, um, yeah. so I, I, I like Dario. I think, and I like, I like that he's got the right. I was worried he first came in that he was going to sulk if he didn't get the starting job and get big minutes on a, on a losing team. Um, and he might have sulked a little bit for a couple of months there, but he um, didn't outwardly say that he was disappointed. Uh, with his, He always, when given the chance, even during the season when he lost his job, he's like, look, I'm just damn ready, I'm good. Um, and then now he's just owned it. He's embraced it. And somebody in the chat commented, and I'm sorry I'm not getting names right, I think it's Leaf, uh, said that, look, I... Of course, if you're if you're going to get a multi-million dollar offer, you're gonna you're gonna you know suck up a little bit. Yeah, but he's going to get multiple yeah. multi-million dollar offers that are all. If the Suns, if you're talking about the Suns only offering three to five million for a one year, um, he's going to get lots of those overseas and with the Suns. He's going to get more than one, so he doesn't need to talk up the Suns. I think it speaks to the relationships Monty Williams is building with these players too, as they trust what he's trying to do and the position he's trying to put them in to succeed, which is something we have not seen in Phoenix uh, probably since Alvin Gentry, uh, to be honest. So uh, that's that's a big right. deal, uh, the respect that, I, that these players are putting on what Monty Williams is trying to do. By the way, in the chat, uh, a little off topic, but David Wigton says, all hail the flaming balls, which is a reference to the YouTube subscribers and their logos. But then Buck Dog says, flame on, right? And I have a story about this. Uh, flame on was actually the slogan they were going to use in I think it was 2012 when they, it may have been, yeah, I think it was 2012, 11-12 season where they, it was the shortened season where they finished 500 but had a shot at the playoffs uh, right at the end. It was one of Nash's last years with the team. Uh, 
they were going to use the slogan flame on if they made the playoffs. That was going to be their playoff slogan for the Suns. So fun little tidbit that I'm really glad never happened. So, um, so I feel like we spent a good amount of time on Dario. Let's, uh, let's move on to Ty Jerome. Monty oh. Williams decided to start Ty. Um, decided. Like it wasn't he like he had that. much he, other choice. Okay. I want to see a, ray, a show of hands. I wish we could put polls in our uh, YouTube chat, but I want to show, see a show of hands of who thought Ty Jerome would start that game. I mean, I'll bet it'd be about zero. So he, Mike Conley obviously tore him up uh, when he was handling the ball. Ty Jerome consistently misread what direction Mike Conley was going to drive. And Dave pointed out on uh, Twitter that uh, it seemed like Ty didn't know that Mike Conley was left-handed. Um, but even <laughs> that, I do think he was just misjudging which direction. But the thing that really stuck out to me, apart from the fact that he wasn't really controlling the offense all that well, that being said, he's in his, his first year, like, what do you really expect, right? But was was how much he was getting lost on off-ball action. He, he just looked lost in general. I mean, overall, he looked lost, and that's that's really disappointing because I was hoping maybe he came back, and when I saw he was going to start, I thought maybe we'll see a little bit more. Maybe there'll be something that we go, okay, that's that's why they invested a first-round pick in this kid. You know, all the talk was, well, he's going to be NBA ready because he played at a uh, at a school in college that that prepared him for this, and he's, you know, this and that, and he, you know, long term college guy. And I thought, okay, maybe he spent his break studying film, understanding where where his uh, deficiencies were, working on that. I mean, there. I think we even heard he was watching some Steve Nash film uh, to try to figure out ways he could uh, he could emulate things it, it he just still looked lost there was nothing that i felt looked like he had improved uh, in his time away i thought it was interesting Mon- monty's comments post game uh you know what <laughs> let me just say that um i really like the uh media um access right now for these if you can't be at the games live it's really cool. You can just in your in your room. You can join the post game Zoom with Monty Williams. I think that's pretty freaking awesome. Um, but and the players as well. And I, I thought Monty made like the, the most concise, perfect comment about Ty Jerome's game. He said something along the lines of, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but something along the lines of, "Look, Ty looked confident. He looked like he he he, he didn't look lost. Like he didn't look lost." like he did earlier in the year, just sometimes the speed of the game overwhelms him. <laughs> I mean, he didn't laugh about it, but he just said, just frankly, look, man, Ty is is getting better in terms of his focus and his readiness and knowing what he's supposed to do, but you just, sometimes the speed of the game overwhelms him. That would be me as well. <laughs> yeah, but we're not expecting you to go out there and start any kind of game at an NBA level, yet we are with uh, Ty Jerome. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was a bit surprised, too, that, that Monty went uh, that direction with the starting lineup. Uh, you know, obviously, Ty Jerome shouldn't be starting. I guess my, my thought was, look, if, if Monty has uh, limited options at point guard, that it's better to mix in the uh, one of the l- least capable along with your starting unit. That way, your backup units do have more capable players on them. You can't just have all of your 
less talented players in, in one unit, uh, expect to keep that up. So, you know, essentially making it that, uh, you know, he that Ty was going to be the weak link in the in the starting unit. But you know what? That's better than uh, a bunch in the uh, backup unit. Um, uh, I honestly, I would have rather seen Ellie out there. Uh, I, yeah. you know, tough though because he's not in Orlando, so it would make it yeah. make it difficult well, for him to be out with, there. Uh, <clears throat> with Ellie, Ellie is a restricted free agent at the end of this year. His contract is up, um, and it looks. I mean, I would be very surprised if the Suns actually actively want to bring him back because they've already given campaign a partial guarantee, very small, very small, but still partial guarantee for next year, um, and then. They've uh, got Ty Jerome under guaranteed, full guarantee for next year. So I, I think Ellie knows the writing is on the wall, and that's why he's not in Orlando, but I'm just totally guessing here. Hey, I don't think we see another minute of Ty Jerome uh, unless there's some major injuries or they— Oh, they, what? I wouldn't, Greg, I wouldn't no, no, that, no. We're going to see a ton of Ty Jerome. Unless, unless no they fall line. out of— unless he, they Ty's fall the out new of, Ellie. No, listen. Unless Ellie they fall out this year, unless they fall out of uh, out of any chance at, at forcing that play-in situation. Okay, let's make a bet. Then, right. but look, I, I don't think right. I think door what dash, we're going to see DoorDash to the receiver to DoorDash to the winner on if Ty Jerome gets more than fifteen minutes on Sunday tomorrow's scrimmage. See, I'm, I say he gets more than fifteen minutes. I'm I, the only reason I'm hesitating here is because I don't know if Ricky's going to play any minutes. If Ricky plays any minutes, I don't see it. I think the minutes are going to go to Carter and Payne and then Ricky if he's playing. I uh, sure I'll take that bet. I will DoorDash. I played to the, 25 minutes in the first scrimmage. DoorDash to the to whoever uh, whoever wins. Is right. Uh, yes. Yeah. So you're uh, under so, 15. I'm over 15 for yep. Sunday's scrimmage. Fine. So let's 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 talk a little bit about that. And I'm not uh, doing DoorDash for your whole family, pal. No, just, just me. Just me. And I want it for Friday's uh, actual uh, game because I took I took time off perfect. work so I can uh, so I can sit there and watch the game. So I want lunch if on Friday. No. Uh, Vincent in the chat says uh, face tattoo, Espo. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dave's got to get my face tattooed on his face. It'll be like a face-off situation. Oh, no, no we'll do DoorDash. I think that's fair. Uh, uh, I, I'm not. Wow, what a, what a, no, it's got to be something more embarrassing, look, man. You, you gotta you gotta do the whole pod shirtless. Look, no, God, no. That's wow. that's punishment that's for everybody else, not me. All, not just a punishment. That's, no, it's to not. That's not a, a sexy oh, man. That's God, assuming no. that he, hey, Dave, I, you're a sexy beast as well. You know, maybe we, we we have two female watchers probably. Uh, they might enjoy. You think it. that many? Look, <laughs> probably not. Well, it'll it'll increase if I go shirtless. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Dave's Dave's chest looks like his face. It, there's just that same beard right here on his chest. We don't want to. That's absolutely see that. true. And, and I and I look like a tube of cookie dough. To go back to the doughy Dario situation, I just it's not it's not pretty. It's not pretty right. at all. So, so Jason. Jason in the chat says, "Whoa, what did I get into here?" And uh, Buck Dogs, thank you. Want to lose all of your subscribers? Trust me. Like we got like three at this point, right? Uh, so let's let's move on to some actual basketball. Yeah, um, yeah, I, good thing there's not unsubscribe. Oh yeah, there is. Never let's been. talk about the second unit backup point guards um, between uh, Payne and Carter. I really liked that combination. I I did too, uh, and I was surprised with the. Uh, 
with campaign i i didn't know what to expect we heard well the reason he wasn't in the nba was he's not a great shooter well uh it certainly in the first scrimmage he he proved that he has something he can he can actually shoot there where we weren't sure what to expect so i didn't didn't know but i really liked what i saw from uh, from campaign in the minutes that he got javon carter we know what we're gonna get from that guy you're gonna get ultimate hustle uh you're gonna get a guy that plays defense well Uh, he's not gonna run an offense uh you know but if you play him with another guard that can uh there's there's some intrigue there with his game i mean nothing carter carter doesn't do anything in particular that you you either get too disappointed about or too excited about and i actually like that it's consistency which is something the suns have lacked in spot for years so at least you know what to expect when monty goes to javon carter unlike when he goes to elliot kobo or Ty jerome uh i thought yeah. that that pain was really uh just on a from a, a defensive standpoint, I thought that, uh, you know, if you compare him to, to Ty, um, yeah, he no, was, he's he was always actually been able to play passable D. Pretty, pretty good defense. Pretty good yeah. defense standing in front well, of What I like the most about campaign is that he didn't look like the game was too much for him. So obviously as a four-year player, um, he's he's got some... Uh, he's got some wisdom to him about keeping up with the NBA. He's already been through the first few years that these guys are trying to survive with. Javon Carter isn't fearless, but he's also passless. Uh, so there's there's a problem there. Um, you've uh, but I love Javon Carter. Look, don't don't at me with the Javon Carter. Um, he's he's better than you think, Dave. He is really <laughs> good at what he's really good at. Yes. And he maximizes his ability to play basketball to his maximum abilities. But everyone knows he's not a real distributor, and even he knows it. Uh, he knows he can pass. He knows he can do things, but he's not really great at it. Um, what he's great at is defense and disruption, and I'll talk about that with my stat of the week later in the show. Um, he's really good at disrupting the other team's offense, but um, on his own offense, he's better off ball. So um, I really like campaign. The game does not is does not look too big or too fast for him. I think the shot's going to come and go. He's going to make look, Ricky Rubio look like a sharpshooter on some days. Uh, I, some I see. Weeks. I kind of disagree with you. You had made this this statement a, a couple of pods ago that um, something comparable to that. Uh, campaign's. I, I mean, he's obviously not Steph Curry out there, but he's a pretty capable shooter. Uh, he's always been. Well, okay. So here's here's why I say that. Um, he's always been a bad shooter in the NBA. I'll look it up right now while we're on the right while we're on the call if I have a moment. Um, but he's he's got a low release on his shot. Like he shoots it very close to his his uh, forehead, you know, his face. So that means he doesn't really have a lot of uh, way to get the ball out over a defender um, if he's got a defender right in his face. So I just don't see how he's going to be a much of a threat offensively shooting. He can make it look he's going to take a shot, which forces the defender to get up on him, and then he can pass out and uh, and get an assist. He looks like he knows what he's doing out there for sure. I just don't know that he's going to light it up from deep. Well, you don't need him to light it up, though. You need him to simply keep the defense honest. And that's it. His hit career field goal percentage is 39.7%. From, right, but from I mean, let's, let's look at. I think too that when you're when you're judging a player's shot, that you need to look at the shot itself. 
Uh, Ricky Rubio shoots very flat-footed. I, I think Ricky Rubio is a better shooter than people give him credit for. Um, I, I think it's a little bit overblown, making it seem like he can't hit a shot ever. No, Ricky Rubio can hit an open three. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, just like Javon He's actually Harley. very good on open threes. Good yeah. uh, call, Tim. He's over 40%, one of the right. Suns' best open three, catch-and-shoot three-point shooters. And usually because he's five feet open. Uh, you know, right. uh, but but that being said, with when you when you look at painting, you look at his shot. Like his shot looks good. So sometimes shots fall, and sometimes they don't. But I do think he's a he's a better shooter than than Ricky Rubio. What stood out to me with campaign was he looked like a backup point guard. Um, and yep. you know, honestly. It's been difficult to say that with consistency. Obviously, we don't have the consistency with him yet. We don't have enough of a sample size. But it's been difficult to say that about any Suns backup point guard um, since, what? When they had three starting point guards? Yeah. Right. I was trying not to include those. But actually, (laughs) when's the last time you could actually look at uh, a Suns backup point guard, um, Alfred Payton, for five games and say they, and even then I think he was a starting point guard, Mm -hmm. that he actually looks like a backup point guard? Yeah, Alfred Payton played something like 10, uh, no, sorry, something like 19 total games for the Suns, and he started them all. I know what you're talking about, Tim. Suns have not had a competent backup point guard since. Um, Isaiah Thomas, Goran Dragic, and uh, Eric Bledsoe were roaming the perimeter for the Suns, uh, for sure. And then, well, you did have Brandon Knight, and uh, uh, although that was until that point. So, okay, uh, um, the Suns have not had a good backup point guard, a competent-looking one in years. And so it does look like Cam can at least... Look, he's not the greatest, and you probably should be looking for an upgrade in the offseason. And it wouldn't be so bad to actually draft um, a guy who can be a combo guard with Devin Booker going forward in the draft, sign one in free agency, whatever it is. But given the options, campaign looks like the best option. <laughs> Buck talk saying we don't talk about Brandon Knight. Yeah. Zombie <laughs> guard, uh, Brandon Knight. Yes, so and I, we know, only talk about Brandon Knight when he has one game of the year that's good <laughs> is the one that beats the Sun. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's forget about it. But campaign is is good enough to be basically. We're settling for Mr. Right now, not Mr. Right as backup point guard, and he should be good enough to help you through Orlando, and then you reassess in the off season. But back to the Javon Carter point as well. I think everybody. Uh, well, most people, except for Javon Carter fanboys and fangirls, know he's he's the ultimate third guard. He's the, he's that, that that third guy you want on there that you can bring in as the specialist when you need defense, when you need a certain energy. But he's not the guy that's going to carry the load behind Ricky Rubio or whoever uh, your point guard of the future is. Oh, right. So let's talk about Mikael Bridges. Is he? The most underrated player on the Suns, I would like to point out that he held uh, Ingles to six points and also uh, the worst plus minus of any player on the Jazz at negative 16 points when Ingles was on the court. Obviously, it's a one-game sample size, yada, yada, yada. But is Bridges the most underrated player uh, for the Phoenix Suns? I think that's kind of interesting because he's actually the one, the third son that's getting a little bit of national recognition um, lately. And we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show. Um, about award contention and stuff like that. But Mikel is getting some serious recognition as a defender around the league. The question is, can be he be aggressive enough on offense? And Monty talked about that as well in recent interviews that he is saying he's looking for Mikel to be more aggressive offensively. And if you look at that one scrimmage 
the first half of that one scrimmage, Mikel was one of the most aggressive guys on the court offensively. He drove, he passed, he did a lot of really good things. And he took um, a couple of really fast catch and shoots um, on threes, which was great because you don't want him winding up like he's been the last couple of years. So if, if he can become, I, I mean, I, I don't remember. It's been a while now, but um, Tayshawn Prince is the kind of guy I think about when I think about Mikel Bridges as far as a glue guy who can help you win a championship and is otherwise real lanky and all that. He's never your number one option, but he, he's also uh, a very strong option in your lineup and defensively is just really good. So I'm, I'm looking forward to Mikel Bridges being that guy that everyone in the country turns from underrated to overrated soon but right now i think you're right he's the most underrated piece on the team uh he doesn't get talked about amongst the top guys um and i think that's that's going to change soon though can you be both underrated and overrated at the same time lots of guys end up doing that i think eric bledsoe became both at once no eric bledsoe was just trash i I feel like mikhail bridges is way overrated by uh, not way overhyped by a lot of us internally because we're so excited about him and very undervalued nationally because the Suns just have not been seen a lot. Now, I think eventually the overhype that, that a lot of us uh, feel for Mikhail Bridges will be proven right. I mean, you see flashes of it. This guy is something special. He's got the length. He's got the offensive ability. He's starting to be more aggressive uh, offensively and defensively it's never been a question uh, his ability so I think we're starting to see the the full package with Mikhail mold and come together and next year is going to be damn exciting when it comes to Mikhail Bridges and I think that's going to be his breakout uh breaker year and you very well may have the core of the of the three kind of guys that can lead you back uh, into the playoffs and, and with some success in Booker Aiton and Bridges now. Well, let me right. tell you, we always said <laughs> that um, to get to maximize Devin Booker's impact on winning basketball games, you need to get him to a winning situation in the fourth quarter. You need to make it so that his offense can close out a game. And that means you need good defenders around him. And until recently, we didn't know who those good defenders were going to be. We had thought maybe Nipakel Bridges would be one of them. And now DeAndre Ayton being another one. This is the makings. This is the this is the makings of a really good team you've got. And actually, um, Ricky Rubio is uh, a very effective defender, even at this late stage of his career. We talk him like he's forty, but he's only twenty nine point six years old. He'll be thirty pretty soon. Um, but he's he's kind of like that's in dog years, you know. <laughs> so um, I think uh, the, as far as putting defenders around Devin Booker to hide him is a is an effective way to build a team. Uh, so like just like people did with Steve Nash. So let's not pretend Devin Booker's not the first guy who's been hidden on defense. Steph Curry gets hidden on defense on the Warriors, and he became league MVP doing that. Steve Nash got hidden on defense, being league MVP. Um, and I think that kind of opportunity is there. I don't know if Devin Booker can ever be lead, league MVP, but certainly that's what you do is you make your best offensive players uh, um, really good on offense, and you make them they, so they don't kill you on defense. And Booker um, and Bridges and Aiden is a threesome that can actually do a lot of damage together. Fred, uh, so they... we uh, we're kind of coming up on time. I'm not sure we're going to have enough time to get out 
into everything, uh, but I do want to make sure that we get to your new segment, Dave, because I know you worked really hard on this. Before that, though, I do want to take a moment to thank a supporter of the show, MT, uh, who signed up last week. MT, thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. So if you are watching on the YouTube, uh, you can hit the join button, I believe. Greg can go into that. If you are listening on the podcast, you can hit the support the show button, which is in the show notes below. Yep, you hit the join button on YouTube. You got the the one, five, and ten dollar option. Uh, we creatively named them. You can uh, click on there to see how we name them, and then you get the flaming balls that you see in the chat that everybody uh, has been uh, hyping up. So and because that's what we all dream about. And if uh, we do, is waking and, up to flaming balls on Saturday morning. But there's a secret about those. The longer you stay subscribed, <laughs> they change colors. So. Just uh, keep an eye out for wow. that. Yeah, I bet you didn't know that one, Dave. Eh? <laughs> nope. That, that flaming balls change colors if you wait long enough. That's uh, that's oh, the God. truth here on the solar panel. <laughs> so there you go. By the way, can I, I want to get to Dave's segment. Can we please get to DeAndre Ayton hitting a three? I've been sitting here trying not to, we went to talk through, about we it. We went through DA. And you didn't, but, and no, you didn't, we're going back. We're, we're, going back. we're talking DA. about a three. Oh, so what I loved about that is D.A. took the shot in a design set after after an out-of-bounds. So the Suns had the ball out-of-bounds. For those who didn't see it yet, the two of you who didn't see it yet, <laughs> um, D.A., um, the Suns got an out-of-bounds under their basket. Ty Jerome was actually the guy uh, passing the ball in from out-of-bounds. He passed it to the corner, to his right, to the corner. D.A. just floated over there behind the line with Rudy Gobert kind of playing lazy defense because D.A.'s never taken a three and, and made one. Um, and D.A. just kind of caught and rose up and shot it just in no thinking in a design play, and he drained it. And uh, that was fun to see because now that dam is broken on D.A. taking threes. Um, in, a, in a chat last night, we'll talk about um, Andrew Lezis, Andrew um, Lazoya, I think his last name really is, um, <clears throat> in a minute. But he did a little uh, podcast interview while streaming 2K, not 2K, sorry, uh, while streaming Call of Duty with Devin Booker last night. And Booker's like uh, talking about how DA can make himself even more dangerous and more, more of a threat in the NBA by being able to just be a threat from three from three point land on a catch and shoot and it wasn't even a slow release either it was a quick release from da so defenders are going to have to defend that when he gets it in rhythm and so i think that was really fun to see him make that first three that was on his 22nd birthday let's hope that wasn't just his one birthday present to himself that he doesn't give himself again until next year but look the thing that that struck me is that was a design play. You're coming out of an out of bounds. He was supposed to go that way. Like that was that was purposeful. And yeah, if, could we talk about that I, that design play a little bit because I thought it was really interesting that that uh, you had a blow the basket inbound and all five guys uh, were right there at the baseline. And I watched that play. Um, three, four, five times, just kind of looking at it and thinking, I don't remember another time when the Suns have done an inbound from under the basket and had all five guys on the baseline right there. Yeah, Monty said that he's introduced new things uh, this training camp. And uh, a lot of that is, not a lot, but some of it is after timeout sets. So we're going to see, or after dead ball sets. Well, good, because before they were kind of trash. Right. So uh, we'll see. We'll see different wrinkles on that. So that was right there. It looked like a new wrinkle that got D.A. that uh, corner three shot. And to me, that's been Frank's been practicing corner threes as well. So you'll probably see that same set 
when Frank's the one in the game uh, taking that same shot. But to me, that says that this isn't a one-time thing. Monty Williams actually believes that Aiton can shoot that shot and is trying to put him in a position to do it to earn to gain right. that personal confidence, which is exciting because if Monty believes into it and it, it's not it's real, it's not just Aiton doing the old Pat Burke. I'm going to chuck a three because I can for fun here. It was purposeful, and that's what's exciting about it for me is that that means Monty believes in it, and that could be a valuable, valuable part of his game, not just in Orlando but moving forward. The, the other thing that tripped me out about that three and all these games is the corner now looks even tinier since there's so much room on the other side of the court uh, because there's no fan sitting there. The corner threes look like there's very, very little room for error now with uh, with stepping out of bounds. I know that's always been the reality, but visually it's that much more. Uh, and it looked really weird with Aiton being such a big guy shooting it from there. Uh, so let's get into uh, so Dave, Jason do... in the chat right now just said that Monty Williams right now at the moment we're speaking doing this live on YouTube is doing his daily because um, the Suns have an early practice today. So he's doing daily zoom and he just said that he does think Ricky Rubio will play in a scrimmage tomorrow. <laughs> when, in tomorrow's scrimmage. Um, but that doesn't <laughs> I'll still be I'll still win the bet. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I hope anyway. But he does think Rubio is going to play in the scrimmage, although Rubio, when he was interviewed, earlier this week said he wasn't going to play much in the scrimmages so we'll see we'll see how it goes all uh, right so we got we got four or five minutes left man let's let's get to this last section right here and uh just so everyone knows we are actually going to be doing some uh post game youtube live shows after all the actual games for the suns at least through the first week of it so you want to tune in for that i'm not 100 percent sure that we're going to be uploading them in podcast form yet uh, but we'll definitely be here for that regardless this is dave's b-ball index stat of the week stat 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 of the week all right thanks i appreciate that you're welcome um okay so we just this week uh finally got on board with a new um, analytics sites, kind of new. They're constantly updating things and, and introducing new aspects, but it's called, they're called B-Ball Index. And you can find them on Twitter at the B-Ball Index, and you can find their website at B-Ball Index, bball-index.com. Um, you can join individually as a subscriber of their site for five bucks a month or so. Um, our blog is lucky enough to be able to uh, get free access. So I've been tooling around there. Man, this is a great, great site. You can do there's like um, over a hundred different statistical measures that are being tracked for every player across teams, between players and all that. So we're gonna using we're gonna be using this across the Brightside Podcast Network as well as brightsideofthesun.com and I'll mention it weekly on the solar panel. Uh, because there's there's tons of different views. So this week, Greg and Tim, I'm going to give you guys a chance or a choice. Which stat do you want me to cover? Do you want me to cover shot profile deterrence for the Phoenix Suns, or do you want me to sh- cover potential assists per hundred passes? Potential. What is that? Hockey assists or what? Um, no, it's just overall between the actual assists you get or the shot. Oh, uh, the, the shot that was missed. The missed shots. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do. Let's do. Uh, well, what do you think, Greg? I think this sounds interesting. I don't know right, what yeah, the hell the other thing is. So uh, me and analytics. He's talking about what, you know, <laughs> when, it's, gonna, it's another way yeah. of eventually uh, measuring defensive impact, right? So yeah, let what, me what just shots do both really quick because I like player. both of these. So shot profile deterrence is um, a combination because it's actually using uh, players you defended um, uh, data as well as overall efficient shots data. 
And that this speaks to your defensive scheme as well as your individual ability as a defender. Um, but the the Suns, um, who do you think is worst on the Suns in deterring your opponent opposing player from taking the shot that they want to take? Who do you think is worst? Out of all of them? Yeah, just don't look at my what, chart. the season or or the game? Yeah, yeah, whatever. No, the season. For the season. Uh, do, I mean, worst there... at making someone take a shot they don't want to take? Well, I mean, I would think it would be Ellie Hobo or Jerome. I'm going to say Frank Kaminsky. Well, you guys have got the bottom three right there. So they're all Fs. <laughs> they're all great at as Fs. Um, their shot profile deterrence is um, amongst the worst in the league. Frank Kaminsky is in the 0th percentile. Uh, Elliot Kobo is in the 5th percentile. And Ty Jerome is in the 8th percentile. That's bad, guys. That's really bad. Um, who's best on the team? Actually, Aaron Baines is best at deterring you from taking the shot you want to take. And Javon Carter, Ricky Rubio, and Mikel Bridges are all pretty good. They're all in the 69th or higher percentile in deterring, making you take the shot you didn't want to take. Um, so that's that one. And another stat is potential assists per hundred passes. Now this is a this is a measure that they do basically how aggressive you are on passing, how 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 many passes that you make actually can be. Sh- shots that your your uh, teammates take they either make the shot or they miss the shot but you pass them into shot attempt okay that's what potential assists are devin booker ricky rubio and surprisingly ty jerome are all grayed out in the in the a range across the league in passes that can become shots that turn into shots that are potential assists devin booker ricky rubio and ty jerome are all grayed out as a minus or higher and then Elia Kobo and Tyler Johnson are in are in the B range. Um, what this shows is that the Suns' the offense is designed to get shots, and they've done a very good job. Monty has a really good offensive scheme that gets people into position to uh, make passes to shots. Um, they aren't just lame. You know, uh, in prior Suns iterations, there was a lot of just uh, non-value sh- uh, passes around the perimeter and, and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually somebody would take a shot and the Suns were worse in the league and assists and all that. Now the Suns are top in the league and assists because Monty's offense actually gets people into shot taking range. So um, I really like that. I think what it does show is that the Suns have some really good um, potential assist makers on the team. And guess who's tops? Devin Booker is in the 100th percentile amongst all NBA players with 41.1, 41% of every pass Devin Booker makes ends in a shot attempt. That's pretty damn good. That's... 100th percentile in the league. Honestly, nothing you said there surprised me. I know you acted like Ty Jerome was a surprise, but the passing has never been the problem with Ty Jerome. We know we can pass. It's everything else. You know, it, it, it's a Kendall Marshall effect. It's it, Okay, great, you can pass, but if you can't do any of the other stuff, we don't care about the the defensive thing. I didn't think Frank would be in the zero percentile in the league. That surprises me, but that means Kaminsky Cove, no defense. So come on in and invade us. That's uh, that's well, basically. Well, I mean, also Frank was playing out of position a lot. Well, that's um, fair, but uh, you know, and he also there was a real limited sample size, and I think that stat. Dave can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, also has to do with. Uh, uh, essentially players being willing it doesn't have to do with the 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 field goal percentage that they hit right it has them uh being willing right. to take the shot at, at the place. Shot. so it, 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 let's say they say you know what i don't 
I don't respect Frank Kaminsky uh, as a defender, so I'm going to take the shot anyway. But Frank Kaminsky makes it so it's a bad shot because they're you know closely defended and they have to jump up higher. Their shot release changes, whatever the the, the case might fucking be, right? It it doesn't really judge that, so um, I, I wouldn't take too much out of out of that particular stat. I do really like it though because there was one individual play where Rudy Gobert, at least during the scrimmage game, got the game got the ball down low eight and was guarding him, um, and he tried a couple of post up moves. He couldn't quite get it, so he passed out. Uh, and it, it's those kind of not taken shots that are really hard to gauge when you're looking at defensive metrics. No, I get it. I, I totally get it. You're right. Absolutely, Tim. But I just think it's 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 just a switch from from the last prior few years for the Suns where they made a lot of passes, but they weren't high value passes. They didn't lead to shots. So it just shows that the Suns are making a lot more value passes now. And on that note, uh, we do realize that we recorded before the second scrimmage game. We all talked about it. Our schedules weren't lining up, and we thought, well, it's not like a second scrimmage game is really going to change our takes too much anyway. Oh, great. Uh, you so, jinxed uh, it. There's going to be some damn major injury tomorrow now because you said that. Yeah, well, you know what? It, it is what it is. But it's, so it's really great. Playing. It's it's great to see Suns basketball back, even if it does look like a, a mixed preseason in summer league. It's it's been really great. Uh, it's I've like been summer league all star. It's like super summer league. It's so fun because it looks just like when we're in summer league, how the games are. Uh, but uh, and it looks all kind of two k ish as well. Uh, but it's really fun. I just love watching basketball again. Summer league with fancier clothes, baby. That's what we got right now. Better players because we we miss it. <laughs> By the way, right. uh, ever go out and get your face tattoos. Uh, have fun with that. Uh, you know that's always a, an important thing that you should do when DeAndre hits threes. So, so for Dave, Greg, and myself, thank you so much for taking an hour out of your week to watch or listen to the Phoenix Suns.